All right, thank you. Now, if you'll remain standing, let's read, uh, let's read a passage of Scripture together from the book of Numbers of all things. Early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, Now we are ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. But Moses said, Why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up, because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies, for the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, He will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the highest point in the hill country, though neither Moses nor the ark of the Lord's covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that your word brings it all. It doesn't, it doesn't gloss over anything or hide anything. It talks about the victories. It talks about the defeats. But Lord, we know because your word tells us that you are always the victory. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, first of all, let me say this is going to be a shotgun today. Uh, I, I, I really kind of like the sermons that are, you know, uh, single shot sort of rifle. but. Uh, this of necessity is going to be a shotgun, and there's probably something in it for you. And there may be more than one thing in it for you uh, that, you can, that you can grab a hold of. Um, this is the last week of this series, How We Fight Our Battles. Next week, we'll start a new series, um, Seasons, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to, be, it's going to be really good. But this is the last week of this, and the reason that I, I planned this series was because of the song, you know, Surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And a lot of people call it, uh, this is how I fight my battles, because that's the, uh, there's also a, a real catchy um, uh, section of the song that say that. And um, I, I, have you ever had any song lyrics that you got wrong? I mean, has there, has there ever been a time in your life when you thought you were singing uh, you know, when you thought that they were actually saying monkey's paw and they were saying, you know, my paw or something. I mean, you know, uh, some, something else. Of course you have. Uh, we, we all have. Uh, have you ever had any song lyrics where you were just faking it? And I don't mean faking the words, faking what you were singing. Usually that happens at church. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, or mountains or plains or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord, as long as it's not in the nursery. You know? Yeah, a preschool or whatever. Oh, well, the song we sang, we sang earlier today, you know, goodness of God, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it comes, uh, comes to that, that, that part of where we're going, uh, when my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. 
except my attitude and my time, my tithe and my, yeah. Uh, but this song, uh, th- this one, I, I, don't, I don't think it's either one of those situations. At least when I was uh, listening to it at the end of last year, I was going, we don't know how to do this. I mean, we're singing this is how I fight my battles, but we don't really know how to do it. So we're going to do a series. We're going to do the first five months of the year, basically on how you do that. Uh, because we're so accustomed to the way the world fights, and we think that's how you're supposed to fight, and and it's not. So I want to do the first half of this sermon today. I want to do kind of a recap uh, of of a few things. Two things that we've learned. One of the things that we've learned is that people are not the enemy. People are not the enemy. the the con The idea that people are the enemy is a worldly concept. It's a worldly idea. I grew up in a uh, I grew up in a, a church situation, a, a, a camp where uh, worldly was about as low as it gets. I mean, anything worldly, uh, uh-uh. you just that's 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 terrible, you know. And and we were basically talking about the pool hall, uh, you know, down the street because that's worldly. Uh, I actually had a had a friend who. Uh, uh, was at this church for the first few years, and he grew up in a, in, in, in even a more strict situation than I did. He couldn't play baseball because that's worldly. You know? But we did not attach worldly to our, our, our favorite vices, such as thinking other people are our enemy. That's worldly. That's not a godly concept. That's not a godly, it's not the way God looks at it. It's not a godly construct. Uh, it, it, it says over in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's not who we're fighting against, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. A few weeks ago, I brought a sermon about unity. Guess who we're in unity with? People. People are not the enemy. Uh, one of the other major takeaways, hopefully from this series, uh, has been that we do not use the world's weapons. We come into the kingdom and the world's weapons are all we know how to use. That's, that's the, only, the only thing we know how to use. Uh, and we're comfortable with the world's weapons. But that's not, that's not what we're supposed to be using. 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 3, and 4 says this, for though we live in the world, boy, do we ever, we do not wage war the way the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And we have a tendency to, we have a tendency to, to read this, and we have a tendency to think in terms of, uh, well, kind of the same way uh, as I give you everything except this and this and this. Yeah. Well, we don't use the world, we don't fight the way the world does, except in this situation and using this weapon and that weapon. We have a tendency to think that way. And the world's weapons, you know, well, what are the world's weapons? Well, I mean, you know, obviously swords and guns and bombs and stuff like that. But, you know, boycotts, protests, marches, you know, money, politics, uh, voting. I hope you're all old enough and smart enough to understand that you're not really going to change anything by who you vote for. I'm just going to stand here for a second. 
It, it took me a while to learn that. I mean, a few decades of voting and thinking, all right, we got it now. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Ain't really going to change till the one to whom it really belongs comes back. So those are the those are the the world's weapons. And once we take uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin's gone, isn't he? Yeah. Hallelujah! He's not playing bass, is he? Uh, uh, Kevin, last week, you, you know, put that uh, little video montage together, and made our sermons look really good. Uh, and but what the thing that he started out with, I thought, oh yeah, I said that. That was really good. It was once we take up the world's weapons, the battle's lost. It's already lost. Because that's what the real battle is. When Jesus uh, was tempted in the wilderness, you know, when he, when he went and he'd been fasting for 40 days, what was the first temptation that the enemy brought to him? Any Bible scholars out there? Yeah, uh, yeah. turn these stones into bread. Uh, if, you, if you are the Son of God and you're hungry, turn these stones into bread. And it looked like the battle was about Jesus being hungry and needing bread. I mean, that's obvious. Isn't it? I mean, that's what it was. But that wasn't what the battle was. The battle was, whose instructions are you going to follow? Whose weapons are you going to use? Who's, and once we have taken up the world's weapons, we're, follow, we're already following the wrong instructions. So that's not how we fight our battles or are supposed to fight our battles. Okay, uh, there are four things for, uh, obviously there have been more, but I... Don't have enough time for all of them. Barely have time for the four. But there are four uh, topics I'd like to recap very quickly for us from previous sermons in this series. One of the weapons we have is spiritual gifts. Uh, these are supernatural. Over in, uh, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it, it lists nine of them that are supernatural, and, and they can be conveniently broken into three sets of three. There are gifts of speaking. There's a prophecy. Uh, there are uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Prophecy is the chief among that because that's what the Scripture says. And let me just say that prophecy isn't just, you know, I mean, there was a, a word that went forth this morning. It's not just that. Sometimes prophecy, because prophecy is speaking for God, speaking God's Word to somebody, and sometimes prophecy is the Lord telling you, hey, go tell that brother I think things are really going. I really think things are going to be okay. Yeah. Or go tell that sister. You know, I've been watching what you're doing, and you're doing good. I, I, I just want to let you know how. And you kind of go, well, that's prophecy. Yes. That's that's precision prophecy. Yeah. You go. Well, you know, if the Lord has planted that in your heart, and you're obedient to it and you go and do it, then that sister that you're going to go and say, I've been noticing what you're doing, and wow, it's really good. Whether she says it or not, inside it's going to be, oh, I needed that. Oh, I needed that. I really did. Uh, but that's a supernatural thing. These, these, are, these are supernatural. And then uh, the gifts of, of power, uh, miracles, um, healing, faith. The, and now the gift of faith, it's not like, you know, we have a tendency, we've, we've sort of uh, uh, brought this faith thing into the idea of, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build that faith up and, and move in this gift of faith. No, the gift of faith is supernatural. It's God coming along and dumping something inside of you 
where you can do something absolutely ridiculous that you could not do on your own and have total peace about it. God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go and sacrifice him on the place that I'll show you. Yes, sir, God, I'll do that right now. Who does that? Somebody who's had the gift of faith dropped into their heart, dropped into their lives. Uh, and then, and then uh, gifts of understanding, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of discernment. Oh, Lord God, give us uh, discernment. We really need that in this day and age, for sure. But they are, they are supernatural gifts from God, and we don't control them. We, we, we can't go, okay, well, I got this one, and I got that one. Well, you got the Holy Spirit's what you got. And then the Holy Spirit, uh, they're all His work, and, uh, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines when He determines. Because this is needed now, there it is. Let's go. But you need to know, if you're a believer, these are available to you. There is supernatural power available to you as a believer. You may go, I'm not very supernatural. Do you have a Savior that you have never seen? Do you talk to somebody whose face you've never seen? Do you you hear God speak? Do you believe Jesus lives inside? That's supernatural. You're you're supernatural. Another one is uh, is prayer. Uh, James tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Well, I'm not very righteous. Well, then you're not going to heaven. It's not, it does not say, listen, it does not say the prayer of a person who acts righteous is powerful and effective. I thought that was better than y'all thought it was. It it, it doesn't say the a person who act the prayer of a person who acts righteous is powerful. It says a person who is righteous. And if I'm in Jesus Christ, I'm righteous. And, and the prayers that we pray are powerful and they're effective. They, they get stuff done. That's not necessarily why we pray them. We pray them because we want to talk to daddy. We want to, you know, we want to, we want to talk to God. And prayer can move mountains and prayer can bring about miracles, but we're not specifically instructed to pray for those things. In fact, Jesus kind of kind of uh, turns us away from a little bit. He says, look, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Your father knows you need all these things. Uh, He's the one who feeds the birds. He's the one who who clothes the flowers of the field. Most of them, nobody ever even sees them. And yet he clothes them in in, in more splendor than than Solomon ever had. Yeah. Just, just seek him. Seek all of these things will come along. Say, well, now you know he did. He did say, uh, "Give us this day our daily bread." Yeah, he does. But that's that's not necessarily so much a prayer of provision as it is a prayer of dependence. Give me what I need today, and I'm gonna come back and talk to you about it again tomorrow because I'm gonna need it again tomorrow. He doesn't say, you know, pray that you'll have enough stuff that you won't have to bother me next week. Uh, my son, Isaac, our son, Isaac, uh, owns um, a bakery, has several bakeries, and I, and I do some work for him. Uh, I, I answer, Isaac, has anybody ever sent an email to Isaac? Did you get a reply? Yeah, I, he, hates, he, he hates that. 
And so a few years ago, he was looking for somebody to, to, uh, to do his email. And I said, well, why don't you let me do that? And, uh, you know, I can use some extra money. <laughs> uh, and he, uh, he, he, he said, well, okay, I, I, I guess you can. And so I've been answering his emails for uh, a, a while now. It's, it's really great because I can do it anywhere. I can do it any time of the day or night. You know, they think it's Isaac talking to them. And, uh, but the real reason why I wanted to do it was to stay connected with my son. You got a lot going on. I got a lot going on. Let, let's do this so we, we have to talk. So we have to stay connected. And so Jesus says, give us this day, our daily bread. It's what you need to pray for. Because Father will stay connected with you. That's, that's the thing. Now, one thing he did instruct us specifically to pray for was our enemies. How's that? How you? How are you getting along with that? Now, I know people aren't the enemy, but we perceive them to be. And so he basically goes, you know, you got, you got this, this sister over here. She's a faithful sister, this brother. You love this brother. He didn't tell you to pray for them. <laughs> he said, pray for this scoundrel over here. You're having a problem. Has anybody ever had a problem with somebody? Did it feel like a battle? Does it feel like a battle? <laughs> like right now? Yeah. Okay, well, all right. This is, this is the weapon. This is the tool that you got. Humility. Uh, we, we, spent, we spent a week on that. and This is the key to so much victory. And, and the golden text of the Bible. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Yeah, I love that verse. Uh, and in the, in the Message Bible, uh, Eugene Peterson takes that a takes that a he, he puts a little more flesh on those bones. And this is what he this is what he says: You're blessed where you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's humility, by the way. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can be that can't be bought. And how many of you know that the only stuff worth having is stuff you can't buy? And it's just true. Humility not only puts you in right alignment with God, it also breaks the power of unhealthy desires. Any of you ever had an unhealthy desire? Okay, and the rest of you just too embarrassed to admit it. And... And it's a battle. It's a struggle. Humility breaks that power. Kind of goes, wait a minute. I don't have to have that. I, yeah. And then the fourth one that I want to recap is forgiveness. And uh, I, 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 didn't get, I didn't teach on this one, uh, but I decided to use all those different colors because it really should be forgiveness. Yes. It is, it is, let's celebrate it. It's such a fabulous thing. The first year that we were here was 1988. And, and uh, that year, this, uh, there was a movie that came out that had a lot of controversy about it. And, you know, and so we, we fought it with, uh, you know, the godly weapons of, of, of protest and boycott. Uh, 
which I don't think necessarily helped much, but the fact that it wasn't a very good movie apparently was, was really good. It's called The Last Temptation of Christ. And, uh, and, and I'll have to admit, I never went to see it, so I really don't know what all the, the fuss was about. But I think it had something to do with Mary Magdalene and, you know, and uh, that's enough of that. Uh, but I know what The Last Temptation of Christ was. I know exactly what the last temptation of Christ was. He had some business to do once he was up on that cross. And it was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I would suspect the last temptation was to kind of go, Father, you see this. I'm taking names. Yeah, sick them. That was the temptation. But the victory was won with, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And if for no other reason you need to forgive people because you are a stinker and you need forgiveness. And and Jesus said over in the Sermon on the Mount, I've been reading it a lot lately and it's just rattling my cage, but it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ouch! I'm not sure totally what that means. I hope it doesn't mean that if I die with unforgiveness, I ain't making it. And I don't think it means that, but I'll tell you what I know it does. I know one of the things it means. It means... It, it, it is a burden to walk through life with unforgiven sin, my sin, my own life. That doesn't get clean. That's, that's, a, that's a load to carry. But I'm going to have to carry it if I'm not willing to extend that forgiveness to other people. If I'm not willing to extend that forgiveness to somebody, well, how do you do I mean, they don't deserve it. Well, God's got that covered. I mean, the Bible pretty much covers everything. Yeah. And, and Colossians 3.13 says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Did the Lord forgive you because you got your stuff together? Did the Lord forgive you because you really meant it when you said, I really mean it this time? And anybody who hasn't said, I really mean it this time, Just hadn't repented enough. I've said it a few times. And it wasn't like God went, you know what? I think he does mean it this time. Let's forgive him. He forgave me because Jesus died on the cross. So I don't have any excuse for not forgiving somebody else because Jesus died on the cross. Same reason. Okay, that's the, that's the uh, um, catch-up, if you will. Uh, let's, let's, let's kick it into, into high gear now and talk about this. The battle belongs to the Lord. The other things that we've covered that I've talked about this morning, there are the walls, the floor, the, the ceiling, the, the fixtures and everything on the house. This is the foundation. If you don't start here, then all those other things are just kind of things sort of out there flapping. If it, for, to get it all put together, this is where it absolutely has to start. This not only means that he will win the battle, and we tend to think of, yes, the battle belongs to the Lord. He's going to have victory. It means he's in charge. 
He gets to call all the plays from the very, from the very beginning. Winston Churchill was famously quoted as saying, we can always count on the Americans to do the right thing after they have exhausted all of the other options. And that's us, not just because we're Americans, but because we're people. And if we get around to the right thing, it's often because that's the last resort. Let God be the first resort. Let, let, let Him control things from the start. Some, some examples real quickly. Uh, Egypt, when, uh, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the victory at the Red Sea, oh man, you know, that's the... That's the dramatic point. It's rightly echoed throughout, throughout history, throughout the centuries. It was clearly won by the Lord, but, but that's not where it started. Getting Israel out of Egypt in the first place was, was a real chore. And God, God called the shots all the way down from, from a little baby being put in a in a, in a basket and, and pushed out on the river to uh, Pharaoh's daughter finding him and being raised in, in Pharaoh's household and, and Moses being, being shaped and, and trained as a leader uh, somewhat in Pharaoh's household, but mostly in the, in the wilderness uh, after, he'd, after he'd become a murderer. And then, and then, when, they, and then when they came back, uh, the plagues, I mean, yeah, the plagues were supernatural, but... Uh, uh, two things. First of all, each one of them was preceded by God going, okay, now go here and say this. All right, I'll go here and say this. Uh, now, that didn't work. So go here and say this. Okay, I'll go here and say, that didn't work. Well, go here and say that. That didn't work. Ten times. Ten times, nine times it didn't work. And you ever, you ever feel like, okay, God, you told me to do that. Why didn't this work out? Well, you're only on one. It might take nine more times behind that before, before, it, finally, before it finally gets done. Man, this is good this morning. Uh, but God instructed them what to do each step of the way, and they were obedient in it. And they didn't stop. They just kept obeying because the battle belongs to him. Yes, Gideon. Uh, for 300 people to defeat for three, a, a vast army that was innumerable, for 300 to do that, that was miraculous. It was all according to God's plan. And God, God first of all, he called an unlikely leader. And why would he call an unlikely leader? Because if he called a likely leader, the leader might want to lead. But in calling an unlikely leader, he had let God lead. Which is which is which is what he did, and then he, they they the word went out and thirty two thousand people responded, you know, and God winnowed that mob down to down to ten thousand. But it's simply saying everybody doesn't really want to be here, go home, uh, and twenty two thousand of them went home. They were only there because they were afraid of their neighbors, because they didn't want to be called a coward or something, and because you know, well, James is going and uh, and Fred's going. I better go, you know. Uh, that, that's the only reason they were there. And then he, uh, he, he, he went that down, you know, from 10,300. He said, you got too many people. I can't let you win this battle with this way because you'll take credit for it. You'll, you'll think that, 
you'll think that you did it. And he nursed Gideon along the way. I mean, he was uh, Gideon's faith needed a little little nursing. He, he was the the one who put the the, the sheep's fleece out, and he said, okay, if this is really you, God, I want this fleece to be wet in the morning and the ground all around it to be dry. And so the next morning he gets up, and, and it's wet, and the ground's dry, and then he goes, oh, wait a minute. You know, a sheepskin is probably going to absorb more moisture than, okay, God, look, I got that wrong. Uh, tomorrow morning I want the sheep to be dry and everything else to be wet. You know, and he gets up the next morning, that sheep's dry and everything else is wet. And he's going, oh, my goodness, I got to do this now. You know, and, and, and several, several steps along the way, he gave instructions for fighting. How are we going to fight this battle? Well, get you some pitchers and get you a torch and get a trumpet. And let's go fight. You know, God... God, God had this thing from the beginning. You had to follow his instructions for the battle to be won. And then the thing we were reading about today, Canaan, the, the spies had gone. They had spied out the territory. They'd come back. Ten of them, ten of them brought a bad report. The, the people refused to go in because we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. Well, yeah. They are. And, uh, and so they started a conspiracy theory. Well, the land's not really very good. I mean, we've been, this has all been, this Moses guy, he's brought us up to this place and it, it's not even worth going into. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we can't, we, can't, we can't do this. We ought to. And it was true. They couldn't win. It wasn't true that the land was bad. The land was good. It was true they couldn't win. But they were discounting the fact that the Lord. The Lord. So there's really no other way to say it. All hell broke loose in the camp when this started. People started talking about stoning. People started talking about raising up new leaders. People started talking about going back to Egypt. Things were getting really tense, and the glory of the Lord appeared, and things got really tense at that point because God said to Aaron and Moses, said, you guys step aside. I'm going to kill all of them. Whoa. You know, and Moses and Aaron fall on their faces at that moment and, and, and plead with God to, you know, to spare the people. And, and you know, the Lord knew they were going to do that, but, you know, they, they didn't know it. And so they found out, you know, pretty quickly that they actually cared about these people. And they, uh, I got distracted in my head there for a second, but I'm back. Okay. And so uh, they, that, that happened, but all the 10 who brought the bad report, all of them died that night of a plague. And everybody else in the whole community, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, that was over 40 years old, the Lord said, none of you are going in. In fact, go out in the wilderness. You're going to spend 40 years out there and all of you are going to die. It was pretty drastic. It was, it was radical what happened there. The result was that the people decided, I think we made a mistake. Let's go do it now. Let, let's, let's go up tomorrow and take this land because we, we can do it. Is that the spirit talking or the flesh talking? And Moses goes, you stupid people. You're going you're to get whipped. God's not going with you. Oh, yes, he is, Brother Moses. We're going to go up and take it right now. You never were going to take it. 
You, you never could take the land. Only the Lord could. You can never defeat the enemy. Here's a, here's a big third takeaway. The devil is smarter than you. The devil is stronger than you. The devil's older than you. The devil's prettier than you. He's more focused than you. He's, 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 he's more determined than you are. You don't stand a chance at all. But the battle belongs to the Lord. When we, when, when we give it to, well, what, what, what am I supposed to do in the meantime? In the meantime, two verses very quickly here. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand so that he might lift you up in due time. Yeah, but what am I supposed to do? Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Yeah, but I want to do something. This is something. This is something. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. He, he'll lift you up. And then, and then Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, that's easier said than done. How do I do that? Read the rest of the sentence. Read the rest of the sentence. In everything, in every situation, pray. Talk to, talk to dad. Let him know what's going on. He knows what's going on, but you need to know he knows that you know that he knows what's going on. And then the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's not a peace where you can go, oh, I've got this figured out. I know how this is going to work. You don't know anything. You just know you got peace. Because you took it to him. You brought it to him. And then, get ready to build an Ebenezer. 